The unsurpassed, penetrating, and perfect truth is seldom met with, even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it, we can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha. Well, thanks for joining us today on this uh, great annual festival memorial for Great Master Dogen. As most of you know, but just in case you don't, uh, Great Master Dogen was the uh, founder of Soto Zen, uh, our tradition of Zen Buddhism in Japan, and is considered the father of our tradition, Great Master Keizan, who came two generations later, being considered the mother of our tradition. And I'll just tell you a little about him, um, for those who are not so familiar with him. He was born in Japan in the year 1200, lived until the age of 53, and uh, the offertory that was just sung tells you something of his life. Um, It's said that a major motivation to beginning his religious search occurred, occurred for him at the age of seven, when during his mother's funeral, he had deep insight into the impermanent nature of all things, as he observed the smoke from a lit stick of incense rising from the funeral pyre and um, dispersing into the air. And of course, he had lost his father some years before that. He lived at a time when there was a great deal of conflict and strife and competition between various um, families, noble families in Japan. Um, So he was was witness to a lot of upheaval and loss. This insight of impermanence became a theme for Dogen throughout many of his later religious teachings, and of course is central to Buddhist teaching. Um, Dogen then entered monastic life at the age of 12 and eventually traveled to China when he was 23, where he found eventually his true teacher and was transmitted in the, into the uh, Chao Dong or Soto Zen Buddhist lineage, our, our lineage. And of course, his, he is very central, very important to our teaching and practice, and uh, his teachings underlie so much of what we do in our um, daily training, actually. Um, I'll tell you a little bit of what... um, Reverend Master Jiu says... Oh, I'm sorry, wrong book. About Dogen, which might be of use... I reread this. I've read this book so many times, Zen is Eternal Life, and every time I read it, I see something new. Um, Dogen Zenji brought with him from China both the transmission and the teachings of the Soto Zen Church of Buddhism. This church or school of Buddhism, which is the oldest of all the Zen schools, both the Obaku and Rinzai schools are derivatives of Soto. Um, is perhaps the only church of Mahayana Buddhism to retain some of the original Indian elements of Hinayana Buddhism, There's, or ter- sometimes called Theravada. There's no doubt that Dogen's way was and still is hard to follow, for he was a somewhat puritanical mystic, 
But there is equally no doubt that he inspired Japanese Buddhism with a new spirit. And she says his translations must be understood as, and his writings, uh, translations of his writings, as exhortations to his followers to be earnest and strenuous in their training. And his own sentiments on the subject are clearly expressed. Serenity, simplicity, and purity were his ideal, and his whole life was a living expression thereof. They who would follow in his footsteps must live immaculately pure lives within the precepts of the Buddha, without in any way being bound thereby. Thus morality becomes the norm without being hindered by either morality or rules and regulations. Purity of life and thought, harmony within the community, and the destruction of all rules and regulations that did not lead to the complete freeing of the mind to commune with the one mind, in capital letters, the one mind of the Buddha, were absolute essentials for all his followers and at the heart of the teaching. As the lodestone to which all returned was silent meditation, during which one just sat, as had the Buddha, in utter serenity of contemplation. Buddha nature communing with the Buddha mind. Theology, as far as he was concerned, was of no importance whatsoever. He was, his was an intuitive method of spiritual training, which resulted in a lofty transcendence over worldly care and desire. It led to the elimination of suffering and the attachment thereto, of which the Buddha speaks in the Four Noble Truths. So that is helpful to keep in mind when you're studying Dogen. Um, he can be sometimes hard to live up to, but um, not to worry about that. I thought I would today briefly touch on some of Great Master Dogen's teachings that have greatly inspired and influenced me in my training over the years. And when I began to think of it, of course, they were far too numerous to really talk about in one um, presentation. Um, each one could be a separate talk. So I'll just give a bit of an overview. His teachings, when I thought about them, have been really very foundational for me and a great inspiration and support throughout the almost 50 years since I first encountered them here at Shasta Abbey. And, of course, actually previous to that, when I read Reverend Master's uh, book, Zen is Eternal Life, when it was published as Selling Water by the River before this edition, <clears throat> which I was fortunate enough to discover in a library in London, England. A friend of mine pointed it out to me. Of course, the teachings that we most frequently study and recite here in our monastery are... Um, the fu one, one of them being the Fukanza Zengi, the rules for meditation, and uh, giving us instructions in how to do our meditation practice. Um, one of the key teachings in this piece of writing, the first thing that he wrote when he came back to, to Japan, um, he teaches about the opposites, not getting stuck with the opposites. When the opposites arise, he says, you've almost lost the way to salvation. And this theme uh, is one that also you find popping up through all of his writings and teachings. Uh, the letting go of the, you know, as he puts it, bend that discriminatory mind of yours. Train it, let go of it. 
that's what causes all our troubles. Yeah. So it's very simple in one sense, if you can just keep an eye on that. Um, very central to our meditation practice, just to see what the mind does and how it tends to always pit one thing against the other and cause suffering and strife. And of course, his Kyoju Kaimon, um, his brief yet profound commentary on the precepts as we practice them in our tradition, which really are very traditional to Buddhism, um, his commentary takes us to a, a deeper level of morality, eventually to an attitude of mind in harmony with one's Buddha nature, um, a very profound um, attitude not getting stuck with the opposites again of good and evil, right and wrong, not pitting good against evil, Conven- you know, beyond conventional worldly morality. Of course, that's a good starting point, um, but um, he takes us much further than that um, to something of our Buddha nature, which um, is beyond these opposites of right and wrong, good and evil. For example, in the precept against being proud of oneself and devaluing others, he says, his commentary states, every Buddha and every ancestor realizes that he is the same as the limitless sky and as great as the universe. When they realize their true body, there's nothing within or without. When they realize their true body, they are nowhere upon the earth. So he takes us to something greater, much bigger than what um, the self sees and always points us to looking beyond viewing everything through the small self, the selfish self, which has an extremely limited view and just letting go of that. Looking at some of Great Master Dogen's teachings in his Shobogenzo, um, his famous um, writing of is it 99 chapters of teaching, again, teachings to his community and lay people and his monasteries in the 1200s. Even though I often have felt and still do when I read some of the Shobogenzo chapters that I can't understand what he's saying, something always comes through on a level beyond what my brain can hold. And I've learned to trust that more than the seeming satisfaction of an intellectual grasp of the teaching. It's very interesting how uh, he has a way of doing that and looking at all lots of different aspects of the teaching, turning things upside down, sideways, backwards and forwards, so that you don't get stuck with just one way of, of looking at the truth. And yet it comes through in the midst of that. So perhaps this is one reason why Reverend Master Ji recommended reading his chapter on Uji Existence, time, flow is how she translated that. Um, reading this chapter before reading his other Shobogenzo chapters. It's a difficult one, um, but it lo- definitely loosens up one's old tendencies to grasp at fixed concepts about truth, as I mentioned, and makes one more receptive to experiencing, I feel, directly the reality of things as they are. Where we are here and now as Dogen expresses it, in the eternal now. I'll read a little bit of that for you. It 
it's important, he says, for us to learn that upon this earth, many things appear and many forms of grass exist. And that each thing that appears and each grass is in no way separate from the whole earth. In other words, everything has the Buddha nature. Everything is at one with Buddha nature. It is after reaching this viewpoint that we can commence training. For having reached this point in our journey's end, but one thing appears and one grass remains. Sometimes that which appears is recognized, and again, not always. There are times when the grass is recognized, and again, not always. Because there is only time of this description, Uji is all of time, existence, flow. And every single grass and everything that appears are also time, existence, flow. All existences and all worlds are present in each and every moment. Very different perspective, but one that we can know for ourselves and one that really is liberating in terms of suffering. Of course, uh, Reverend Master Jiu's teachings over the years, um, she gave many lectures and talks on Great Master Dogen's Shobogenzo chapters, um, and they have been so helpful to me. I'm eternally grateful to her for her generous offerings in this regard, which have really brought his teachings to light uh, for me. Um, regarding Uji, she um, says some, I think, some very helpful things about that that put it into perspective. She says, in this chapter, Dokun explains enlightenment by exploring the nature of time. Time is not only past, present, and future, but more importantly, it's something that keeps going through the whole of it, which he called the flow. There are a million ways you can say this, but time itself is existence and flow. There is a flowing that moves throughout all time and all being. We put the concepts of past, present, and future upon it, but there is that which is beyond these limited human ideas. This flow is none other than the unborn. It's the undying, the unchanging, the always there but ungraspable. It can only be found by something intuitive and instinctive inside of oneself through direct experience. And this was so important to all of Dogen's teaching, is pointing us to directly experiencing the Dharma. The purpose of Zen training is to find this. Dogen found it, and he tried to explain it in this chapter by speaking of the flow of time and existence, rather than by using more traditional Buddhist concepts. That makes this chapter rather special among the works of Dogen, and it provides a framework for understanding much of the rest of his teaching. To think of the unborn as a flow is perhaps better than using the term unborn, she says, because it conveys the sense that there is just a constant going on, an unending going on. And of course, all of these teachings of Dogen have very profound implications for our daily practice. Um, for me, this chapter, although it's hard to understand, is, it reminds me of just being present in my life, relaxing into the flow of, as he calls it, the eternal now. 
letting go, not clinging to the things of past, present, and future, and just being with what is here, just doing the next thing, just going on as best I can, and trusting that that is truly enough. Trying to step out of that, I feel, creates anxiety. So um, I find this teaching a great help when anxiety arises, actually. Helps me to see the futility of what the small self is trying to do. Something that is often um, chasing an illusion. Another chapter, of course there's so many um, in the Shobhaganza, but I'll touch just briefly on another chapter um, called Shoji, which uh, is translated as life and death. And I'm you know, partial to Reverend Master Ji's translations on some of these because it's what I grew up with in my training and read over and over so many times as a junior monk. Um, and so um, this chapter is a nice short one, a little easier to understand than some of the others, and um, points to the all-acceptance, all-acceptance, and the trusting that all things are at heart Buddha as being the key to the end of suffering. Dogen says here, do not make the mistake of believing that a change takes place between life and death. For life is simply one position in time, already possessing both before and after. Because of this, Buddhism says that life as we know it is not life. Likewise, death is simply one position in time with a before and an after. Therefore, death itself is not death. When called life, there is only life. When called death, there is only death. If life comes, it is life. If death comes, it is death. There is no reason whatsoever for a being to be controlled by either and hope should not be put within them. This very life and death is the Buddha's own life. And should you try to escape from them, you will lose the life of Buddha in escaping therefrom. Should you do this, all you will be doing is clutching at the apparition of Buddha. But if you neither refuse nor search for this life, you will enter immediately into the Buddha mind. You can see through from this teaching the great importance of the practice of meditation, of course. And he's pointing us to... um, the experience of sitting still and going beyond the opposites again. And, you know, life and death, in a sense, we're experiencing that every day. What is it really about? Um, you know, it's the death of the self, really. It's the letting go of selfishness that that is being talked about here um, because that's what real death is, isn't it? This is it, when we see through the eyes of the self, when we don't, when we cling to the self and uh, we limit our view. So, Sometimes it can feel like we're losing something, a big a part of ourselves, uh, but ultimately we open to something much greater, something much more freeing when we learn to just be still with it and see the Buddha within it and let go of it. Yeah. So um, again, very practical implications for our daily life. Uh, and every day as we go through the day when we encounter difficult uh, thoughts, emotions, and so on, which I... Um, I myself was thinking this morning and yesterday, um, having some very negative thoughts about my attempts to, to do a Dharma talk on Dogen. And I thought, you know, 
It's interesting how that's just a thought <laughs> and to see the Buddha within it. In a sense, these difficulties that, that arise are the Buddha nature showing us, um, pointing us to going beyond suffering, showing us what not to do, showing us that there's something beyond the worldly mind. You know? So all of these things, whether they're positive things, the thoughts, positive emotions, negative thoughts or emotions, come ultimately from the Buddha nature. And um, I believe that's what Dogen is pointing to when he says to see the Buddha in all things. There's nothing that can't teach us, nothing that can't help us. But we have to do the meditation. We have to sit still within everything that arises to be able to see that. He goes on to say, do not under any circumstances try to understand this intellectually or give it expression in words. Although here he is trying to give it expression in words. <laughs> we try, and I'm trying, but nonetheless not to cling to the words themselves as being the ultimate truth, right? If you allow your concern for and attachment to the body and mind to fall away naturally, you will precipitate yourself into the realm of Buddha. This was an important teaching uh, from Dogen's master, Tendo Nyonjo, um, dropping off body and mind, really letting go of attachment to, again, a separate self, a separate sense of, a separate selfish self, really, um, however that comes up for you. And really, without training in meditation and the balance of that with the precepts, it's very, very hard to find that. This is a phrase that follows that has been very significant to me in my training. When the Buddha does all, he says, and you follow this doing effortlessly and without worrying about it, you gain freedom from suffering and become yourself Buddha. And uh, I say this because at times when I myself was somewhat going through some confusion, difficulties, in my training, uh, finding it very difficult to go on. Um, to my surprise, I had this saying go through my mind. And it really points, uh, pointed to me the importance of studying, reading these teachings from time to time. All these scriptures that we recite every day, and uh, these, these you know, Shobogenzo chapters in Zen's Eternal Life, which as I mentioned, we would read over and over um, when I was a young monk, and continue to now and then. Um, it was right there when I needed it, you know, and it reminded me of my purpose and that you know, it wasn't all about me having to be perfect, me having to not make mistakes, me having to, um, uh, you know, get everything right. Um, I could let that go and there was something I could follow that would be much bigger and simpler in a sense. So it was very interesting to me that this came through my mind, even though I hadn't been reading it, the chapter for a while. We don't run the show, you know. We do our best. We have to put our effort into it, and then we have to let go and trust the three refuges. And that's what, at that point in my training, I needed to take deeper refuge in the three refuges, the, take refuge in the help of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So finally, I'll look briefly at um, another teaching of Dogen's that's not from the Shobogenzo, but it's from um, instructions that Dogen um, gave his monastics, his monks, and of course are, are applicable to all. Um, 
in the um, Tenzo Kyokun, which Reverend Allard recently did a lovely talk on. And uh, there's some aspects of this, having been a, one of the chief cooks of the monastery for many years, some time ago, um, is also very, very significant, I find, has been to my training. Um, the instructions to the chief cook, of course, apply to all of us, and they're very helpful to um, seeing how to put the practice into our daily lives, into our work, bringing it into everything we do. But I'm just going to touch on the three attitudes of mind that Dogen talks about. He says the three attitudes of mind, three attitudes of mind must be cultivated by all temple officers in addition to that of the chief cook. And this was from his observations of monasteries in China. But of course these apply to all of us. These attitudes of mind are gratitude, love, and generosity. So here he's taking this teaching um, you know, his teachings can be seen by some people as, you know, very fancy philosophical teachings, um, mysterious, etc. But actually, they always have these, and I always emphasize this: they do have these very practical implications for one's own benefit, uh, for one's own liberation from suffering, but also opening that up to, for the benefit of all beings. So, he says, the mind of ecstasy expresses gratitude. If we were to dwell in heaven, our joy would be so excessive that there would be no time whatsoever for us to either train or awaken the seed of Buddhahood within us. And we would never prepare food for the three treasures. We would never think of being benefit to others. So we're fortunate to have this human life where we are not... um, in a constant state of bliss <laughs> and excessive joy, but in fact um, can um, realize the need for making offerings. There's nothing of greater value or excellence than the three treasures. They far surpass the greatest deity in heaven, both in value and excellence, as well as equally surpassing the highest upon earth. The Zen temple regulations say that monks have far greater excellence than other beings, for their bodies and minds are pure and wholly free from earthly clinging. Well, that might seem like a a very partial statement, but of course he's talking about the attitude of renouncing the world, of letting go of our attachment to selfishness, really. How wonderful it is that we've been fortunate enough to be born human so we can make offerings to the three treasures then this there is no greater delight. And so on. So much cause for gratitude. How lucky we are, how blessed is this body. For all eternity there will be a greater opportunity than that offered. There will be no greater opportunity than that offered to us now. Its merit is undefilable. When we serve our fellow trainees and frankly all beings purely, Hundreds and thousands of lives are unfolded in one single day's or hour's work, which will bear fruit for many lives to come. To grasp truth thus clearly is to express gratitude. And Koho Zenji emphasized this to Reverend Master Mayan too, the uh, Reverend Master Chiu, sorry, maybe to Reverend Master Mayan too, <laughs> um, the importance of gratitude being just the, doing one's training is the expression of gratitude. Putting the training into practice is the full expression of gratitude. 
Even were we the highest in all the world, such rank would be as useless as a bubble if we did not make pure food for the three, three treasures. So the purity of heart in one's work, in, in one's relations with others, in um, making an offering and um, letting it go, not hanging on to our accomplishments, our ambitions, our um, sense of self within it. As a chief cook, you have to learn to, in a monastery and anywhere, I imagine, you have to learn to do your very best in preparing wholesome, nourishing food that's delicious, if you can, um, putting it out there and then just letting it go, not you know, ma- making the offering and letting it go. Within minutes, it's all devoured and, and, uh, and um, you know, and gone. Uh, but it nourishes people's training, and that's the important thing. In terms of love, he says, the mind of our parents expresses love, and we must love the three treasures in the same way as our parents love us. So this attitude of uh, parental love, of um, taking care of beings, taking care of the things that we work with, taking care of the food. I've always been impressed in the monastery how, certainly Reverend Master Jiu taught this, of, uh, taking care with all the things that we um, use in our daily training, you know, hanging up the brooms, taking care of our dishes properly, not throwing things around, not slamming doors, taking care with the, the inanimate things. Each one of those helps us in our practice more than we're aware of. Um, and um, having love for them as much as having love for other beings is important. And learning to let go of our preferences over, um, you know, what food we think is best. Um, we do our very best, but sometimes we, we just use whatever's there and make the very best of it. Letting go of fame and gain, as he often encourages us. And then he says, A generous mind is one that is as firm as a rock and as limitless as the ocean completely lacking in discrimination. One who possesses such a mind sees no difference between base metal and gold. He's not bewitched by beautiful voices or ugly-sounding ones, nor is he concerned with the changing of the seasons. We must make our own personal understanding of this mind clear by writing it down, fully comprehending, and learning it in everything we do in our ordinary life. So there we have Dogen's instructions on how to live in our daily lives, the, bringing the attitudes of gratitude, love, and generosity to everything we do. And that is where I'm going to leave it for now. Um, just inspirations from Great Master's Do- Great Master Dogen's compassion and wisdom, um, which um, we are deeply profound and we can put into practice every day. Thank you for coming.